Hi, my name is Bridget Richardson. I'm the Assistant Director of Ecumenical and Pastoral Initiatives at the Nesty Center for Faith and Culture at University of St. Thomas in Houston. And I'm here with Nicole Labadee. She's the Director of Campus Ministry at University of St. Thomas in Houston. So Nicole, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm really pumped. We're going to talk about something today that, you know, um, some people are struggling with, some people are rocking, you know, it's cultivating hope and joy in times of uncertainty. And I just shared with you um, that I've gotten a feeling from a few people that I've been in Zoom meetings with and things like that, that they're tired of talking about hope. Like they're kind of done <laughs> just being hopeful because there's no end in sight. So um, just to start our conversation there, what's your take on that? Yeah, um, it's definitely very real. And I've experienced that myself too. Like, I think there's always the challenge to um, not, not necessarily not hope, but um, like the suffering and the monotony of working from home and of quarantine is very real. Um, and there really is no end in sight. Like, we don't know when this will end. Um, we don't know you know, like when's the next time that I'm going to be able to travel or go do something that I like really enjoy or that's brought me joy. When I'm, when's the next time that I'm going to see my family? Um, those are all very real questions. And I think like um, it's okay to lament and it's okay to mourn those things. Um, and it's okay to, um, to be upset about the situation. I don't think that being upset necessarily means that there's a lack of hope there. I think the two go hand in hand. Um, something that I often go to in, in just sort of the seasons of um, dryness or doubt or desolation um, is praying with the Psalms and in particular the Psalms of lament. There are so many human emotions spilled out in all of our Psalms and like it's okay that this season is one of crying out to God. Um, or of asking God, you know, like, why is this happening? Um, asking God those questions. God's definitely big enough to handle it. Um, but even those questions, I think, um, are ones of hope because you're trusting in some way that God is there and God is listening and that God will respond. I think sometimes, like, um, we might be tired of hearing, like, that hope is, you know, everything's going to be hunky-dory and we're going to be fine and life is sunshine and rainbows, but that's not hope at all. Um, it's, yeah, trusting that even um, in these very challenging circumstances that God is somehow present and still working. And do you have any specific Psalms that you like to go to or can you make some suggestions on this one has spoken to me or could speak to you during this time? Yeah, uh, Psalm 88 in particular. Um, Psalm 88, it gets very dark. Um, and I remember, I think I was actually, um, it was when I was on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land that we read through that in um, the place like where Jesus might have been uh, imprisoned shortly before he, uh, he was crucified and died. And so for me, praying with Psalm 88 is a very much a, an experience of uniting my suffering to Christ's suffering um, because Christ, of course, knew what it was like to be alone. He knew physical pain. He knew grief. He knew um, illness and like the pain of being separated from those he loved. So that one in particular, um, yeah, it speaks to that just reality of, of human suffering, I think. 
And with right now, with it being a very uncertain time and people don't know what's going to happen. So like, I like how you mentioned the monotony of it because it's ongoing. There's no, <laughs> there's no end in sight. Even, you know, people are going back to work. We're going back to different activities, getting out of the house. It's still an ever present, like hovering above. So how, how do people cultivate that hope and joy during times like this? Yeah, I think, um, one thing that's really, really essential is to take the time for prayer and for communion with God. I think about um, a time when I was on an eight-day silent retreat. And I go back to this experience a lot, particularly during quarantine, because as part of that silent retreat, I didn't have any contact with others, you know, um, outside. And my days were spent mostly in silence. Um, And during those eight days, like not once did I ever feel alone or lonely, um, despite being very alone. Um, but it was this time of just sheer, like, um, just communion with God. My spiritual director for it called it a soul vacation, just a vacation with God. And I sort of like to, um, take elements from that. I think like the most important thing is carving out that time for stillness, um, for prayer, for reflection or meditation, whatever way like generally speaks to you. Um, the ways that prayer has been fruitful in the past are the ones that like I'm continuing to do. And that's something that's helped brought me um, joy because it's, it's helped me realize like, okay, even in my living room, um, I can, if I can center myself, calm myself, get to a place of stillness, I can just truly talk or just be in the presence of God. Um, that simple action can remind me that God is still there, even in the most ordinary um, and mundane uh, days. Yeah, and you work with students, so you probably get this question a lot, like, how do I pray? <laughs> you know, what is, what is prayer? How do I do it? So what, what would you counsel uh, a student or anyone, you know, there are adults who ask the same questions who are much older. So how would yeah, you? Yeah, this is a great question. And I find that sometimes even our really involved students are still asking this question. I think it's one that, um, yeah, is worth, yeah, is worth spending time on, like you said. Um, so prayer is simply first and foremost, a conversation of God. Anytime um, we lift our heart or mind to God, um, that can be itself a prayer. Um, our work can become a prayer. Um, anytime we're doing like a spiritual reading um, and engaging in those, like, in those thoughts and interior dialogue um, with God, that itself is a prayer. Um, I think sometimes we as Catholics are quick to think of prayer as, um, you know, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be, or those sort of structured prayers, which of course those all are very good and excellent prayers, especially the Our Father. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. Um, But simply it's just sharing. Um, It's a conversation. It's a dialogue. Um, And I think what's really important with prayer is to simply be honest with how we're doing Um, So to be able to say to God, hey, like, I'm really struggling right now. Um, It's really hard not being able to see people. Um, It's really hard, like, with this fear of COVID and the unknown and what will happen if I get the virus. And, um, like, it's it's a hard place to be. But I think prayer is 
um, being honest and bringing God into that conversation, letting him be a part of it. And then the other piece of prayer that I think we as human beings are just quick to um, sometimes forget um, is that prayer is also about listening in any conversation. There's the talking and then there's the listening. I think creating that space for God to speak to us is really essential. Um, one of the primary ways that he does that is through scripture. So um, even if it's just opening up, you know, maybe reflecting on a verse or two from the gospel of the day, um, asking yourself, like, where is, like, what what's stirring in me as I read this? Um, if I imagine myself in the scene, who who would I be? How would I be interacting with Jesus? What would he say to me? Um, what would sitting near him be like? Those moments can become a prayer too. And I think what's um, what's helped um, what's helped me a lot, especially during those seasons of um, when the seasons of um, despair or spiritual dryness, one like very much like the one that we're living in now, um, is taking time and reflecting on where have you seen God in the course of a day. Um, this is something that I tell the students a lot. Like I'll point to Galatians five twenty two to twenty three. Um, when Paul talks about the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, anytime we can put our finger on one of those things in our life, there is God in our midst. God is at work. Um, that's what it means to, yeah, to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. God, God's presence within us, that Holy Spirit is bearing fruit in those ways. That's an incredible way to look at it, to go back to those fruits of the spirit and identify it. I never thought of it that way to mm -hmm. see God in your life just by looking at some of the fruits and where those happen throughout your day. And yeah. And it, it's really surprising. Like if you go back and you get in that habit of doing that every day, like you begin to see and live um, even like the most boring of days in a new way. And one thing that I've really enjoyed during this time quarantine and not being able to go to mass is to cling to the structure of the liturgical season because that's still there and I'm a huge Bishop Barron fan so I watch <laughs> mass with Bishop Barron and Father Steve so you know they're they're doing exactly what you're saying drawing us back to the scriptures like I feel like every homily he gives he's like go back and read this you have the time <laughs> so um so how how would you say liturgically that is something as Catholics that we can still be a part of is our liturgical season is still alive and well? I love this question so much. Um, and in particular, I love it because something that I've been reflecting on a lot um, is that like Easter is not just one day, it's 50 days and it's an entire season and it takes time for the reality of the resurrection to be fully experienced um, every day we can come to experience a little bit more of it. Um, but I've found great comfort in that. Um, that yeah, it wasn't immediate that the disciples encountered and believed in the risen Christ and the promise that he had for their futures. It was, it took time because they're human beings, just like we're human beings. Um, we doubt and we need to see signs and, um, but God accompanies us that whole way. Um, and I love what you said about watching, um, Bishop Barron's masses. It's definitely been a treat to watch masses in different places or um, places that have like that, um, that connection from, yeah, past experiences. 
Yeah. And is there any uh, liturgical prayers you do uh, for yourself or as a family? You know, you're at home with your family right now, which we've talked about. It's, it's a really cool experience. Uh, and a fruit of this time to be able to spend that time with our family. So how have you been um, been bringing prayer to your family life? Yeah, um, also a great question. Yeah, the other um, form of liturgical prayer besides the Mass is Liturgy of the Hours, and that's something that my family has been, um, my husband and I, um, and our 10-month-old joins us for morning prayer too, but we've been in the habit of praying morning prayer as a family together. Um, and on occasion, night prayer, but Liturgy of the Hours is um, is meant to be prayed by the lady. Um, and so that's been a really um, key way that we've sort of entered into the liturgical seasons, um, starting, of course, with Lent and then now moving into Easter, praying with the prayer of the church um, that's prayed worldwide. And so it's cool that there's a point of connection, yeah, with other Catholics around the globe. Um, but in particular, I love, and I talked about the Psalms at the beginning, um, but Liturgy of the Hours is largely drawn from the Psalms. And, and in particular, just like sort of praying through all that range of, all that range of human emotion. Um, but then like, yeah, inviting God into that. Um, and so for us, it's sort of been a helpful, yeah, helpful way to pray through the, like the emotional pieces, but then also to provide um, some structure for our day. I think a big challenge that I've heard a lot, um, a lot of people talk about is now that we're doing everything from home, like days are largely unstructured and it's sort of easy or tempting to just let like work and home all bleed together, but it's also really easy, like if you're a student, to sleep until one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so I think for us, like creating that that schedule of like, this is when we're going to pray together and we'll pause what we're doing um, and just sit and pray. And that time can be truly a time of just like, ah, that stillness that you had mentioned at the start. So uh, to finish it up, how would you encourage people, students, adults, anyone listening to this to just um, find that stillness, whether it's in the liturgical structure, liturgy of the hours, through scripture reading, how would you encourage them to find that? I think just, I think sit, um, sit and uh, don't be afraid of the silence. I think we're, um, you know, with our smartphones and with all the technology that's readily available, it's easy to turn away when we have opportunities for silence, but I encourage you all to sit in the silence, to find a space or create a space that's, um, that sort of you can use as your prayer space. So maybe it's a particular chair, maybe it's a particular image or a crucifix or a candle that you light, something to signify that um, this, yeah, this time is for just simply conversation with God, just simply being with God. I think that like creating a physical space can be helpful in um, creating that mental space uh, for prayer. And then don't be afraid of it. Um, it'll be hard at first, especially if you're not in the habit of um, quiet time every day, but prayer is very much like a muscle um, and we learn to do it by doing it. Um, so just stick with it and, um, and be persistent. Um, I don't mean that to sound cheesy at all. Um, but when we do like, when we draw near to God, um, God promises to draw near to us. 
And my favorite image actually that comes to mind with prayer is uh, the image of a fire. I think a monk talks about this, that like if we're cold, we don't wait until we're warm to go near the fire. Rather, we go near the fire and in so doing are warmed. And the same is true for our relationship with God, that we don't wait until we feel God to approach him. Rather, it's we approach him, we seek him out, we pray. And in so doing, we'll begin to experience him again. That is probably the most beautiful place to leave this conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was, yeah. I'm going to go back and listen and hear that again, because it's just such a beautiful way to think about your relationship with God. So Nicole, thank you so much for this conversation and thank you for sharing with me this morning. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's been such a joy. All right. Have a good one. You too. All right. Oh wait, did I stop it?